Welcome to Grit and Gravitas with Anne and Annie, bringing you savvy, spirited stories of success. We're excited to deliver 30 minutes of inspiration, impact, and goodness. We'll be bringing you guests and friends from around the country who have very special work and personal journeys. I'm Ann Dieter Gallagher, your co-host with Annie Carnathan, and this is Grit and Gravitas. Let's go. Grit and Gravitas podcast studio, best part of the week, Annie Carnathan. How are you today? I have never been better. <laughs> How about you, Annie? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good today. We are very excited to have um, Monica Gould in the podcast studio. Love the colors. It is a pop of, I want to say, is that a jacket from China? China. Yeah. <gasps> wow. Um. Monica Gould is president and CEO of Strategic Consulting Partners, and a lot of people know who you are. They, they're, I'm sure, unsure of the depth and breadth of your services, but she is the queen of just about everything, and we have grown up in business uh, almost together, side by side, and I'm super blessed that our paths crossed about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe almost two years ago. But you have so many topics. Annie's going to try to rein me in and confine us to 30 minutes, which is, <laughs> you're good at that. Um, Goes fast. Yes, yes. So, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've heard so many great things about your podcast. I've watched your podcast, but I've heard so many great things from your listeners, so it's exciting. Well, we really had a podcast before the podcast because we had so many conversations uh, going on. But, you know, uh, so the one requirement we love to share at least one to three business vitamins throughout our our 30-minute podcast. episodes. So I know we're going to benefit from a lot of yours, uh, Monica. And our audience is largely women in business, but we do, um, because we are mothers of sons, it is required listening in our families for for (laughs) all the men. But give us a little, like a short runway on your background, how you came to your management consulting business, because you're really top of your game. You're a big dog. Oh, thank you, Anne. And, and that's really kind of you to say. I, you know, sometimes as women, we don't always look at ourselves in that, in that way. I know, but, I, but you, I do I'm affirming it. you. Oh, and, thank and... you so much. I appreciate that. So um, my background was really in operations management. And um, after I got my MBA from American University, I went to work for MCI Telecommunications Corporation, whereby I, you know, applied my MBA skills. And very shortly thereafter, I moved very quickly in the organization to manage operations for all small business um, operations for for customer service centers, telemarketing centers, and managed uh, over 5,000 people in that in that role. But as a mother of two young daughters at the time, it was a real big challenge for me to maintain that level of uh, engagement at work and be able to to manage my motherhood. So I made the decision to parlay my skills that I gained at MCI and start my own business in 1994. So that's what that was the impetus of of starting Strategic Consulting Partners. And back then, it wasn't Strategic Consulting Partners. It was really more of a individual contributor consulting firm that we've parlayed into what we have now. 
Oh, that's fascinating. So that's a parallel to you, Anne, a little yeah. bit with yeah. with your three sons mm-hmm. and going into the workforce in your making own. it work. Yeah, trying right. to to fit in motherhood and still and the priority. Continue. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's impressive. So you have. Um, you know, we often laugh when we first started working together. Um, when you say management consulting, like there's nothing really sexy about that term. And no. you try to figure on the PR side, all right, how, what, what's the um, media angle? What, what would make people be interested in management what's consulting? What's the differentiation? Because yeah, that's, I mean, a, a, that's a boil the ocean term. Yes. Right? That is. could mean anything, literally, which is not good no. as, as, a, as a business. But when you um, drill down to brand. what you do uh, and the level and size of the companies from federal agencies to state um, uh, associations, agencies to corporations, because you've got some very large publicly traded corporations, uh, when you really think and stop to think what management consulting, you have a window to the soul of a whole lot of companies. We do. We and do. really, in the tell, talk us through a little bit about that of what you see when you're in there, and some of the incredible opportunities that you bring mm-hmm. to these very large organizations. So, you know, with my experience in operations, and and when I say operations, one of the critical areas was really human resources mm. and managing people and making sure that we got our people engaged, right. uh, that they were working at h- the highest level of productivity, that they were well-trained. So those are the skills that I took into the management consulting business and, and really being able to build a strategy around human capital and how you build the capacity of, of your human workforce to really drive productivity right. and gain. So I did that with an MCI, and I took that same skill set, and I started um, marketing that and building that within small nonprofit organizations, small business at first. The successes there were then leveraged and parlayed into larger contracts. Uh, and we were fortunate enough about 10 years ago to get into the federal market. Mm-hmm. And within the federal market, this building human capacity and building organizational capacity became a real buzzword. And uh, employee engagement is critical because... Right. That is the number one and the most expensive part of any corporation's budget is your people. Right, right. And right. if you can get more out of them, isn't that isn't yeah. that better for the bottom line? Right, right. But it's also the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So that's how we really started looking at our management consulting business is how do we build organizational capacity? How do we do it from a strategy standpoint? How do we do it from an operational standpoint? But most importantly, how do we do it from a human capital standpoint? How do we get the most out of our people, keep them engaged, keep them you know, employed with us, and, and move them up through the organization so they want to stay with us for years to come right. and can contribute in, in better ways uh, in the future? So I think if they're fulfilled, Monica, and I'm interested in you know, whether it's, it's a small nonprofit or whether it's a federal agency, the thing in common are people. Yes, absolutely. You have to connect with people Mm -hmm. and they're the same people whether they're large or they're small doing the exact same things we're doing and it's that alignment it's the philosophy it's the ability to say what's important to me is important to you Anne and I are not alike but we're very much alike in the things that are centric to why we're doing this to help women in business and so I'm interested in that little bit of disconnect Monica right between leaders in the company Mm -hmm. and you 
who really are the front lines of developing their employees. Right. Right. And so isn't that like a baseline communication that's imperative? And how do you intake that? Because we're in the same situation, right? We could be top to top for a decision made, but it's the, the whole team that has to develop together and build those interactions. So how do you um, compensate for not being with the frontline employees directly? So here's the interesting thing, Ann, is that we we also support the frontline employees in some of the work that we do. So leadership development is a critical piece, right. and leadership is uh, encompasses training. It encompasses coaching of yeah. leaders yes. right, right, to right. teach them these critical skills of how to engage employees, how to keep uh, employees, how uh, employees like to be treated, and helping them to coach and mentor their employees so that they can retain them and get the most from a productivity out of them. So part of that, though, is in order to, to support those leaders and those organizations, we have to hear from the front line of employees. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of organizational assessments in which we go in and we learn directly from the employees what's working, what's not working. And 85% of employees leave their organizations because of leaders, because they 100%, don't like it. They fire their boss, right? Yeah, Monica? they don't they like fire it. Their they, boss. They, That's right. they vote with their feet. That's they, right. They leave. Yeah. Right. And so if we can build the competencies of those leaders and build those engagement Good. skills and that productivity um, mindset, and not productivity in terms of churning out work, but productivity in terms of giving people great work that they can be successful in, that they feel recognized for, they feel valued in. Right. Um, this is that, that self-actualization is what we all as human beings um, you know, strive for. We want to do meaningful work. Right. We want to be valued. And so if recognized. We, and recognized and appreciated. And so business vitamin. Yeah. Multivitamin. <laughs> right there. And honestly, Monica, for women in business, for any leader, you to me just quintessentially described what a strong, great leader is about. Right. It's about the people on the team. Mm -hmm. That yeah. that when you say, you know, they want to be recognized, we um CEOs, leaders, business owners, um might dismiss some of that as maybe like minutiae. It's not, it, it's, it's not a, uh, outward facing. I just sent, uh, both team members a handwritten note last week because they had done extraordinary work. I received an award, would not have been able to receive it without mm -hmm. them. They're behind the scenes doing stuff. Um, and they both sent me this in a, you know, separate from each other, this wonderful text, like how meaningful, there wasn't a gift card in the note, but it was, you know, how meaningful to me their uh, passion and investment of themselves and their, you know, time that they give to the company. That's priceless. And and I even I know how valuable that is because I know how I like to receive things like that. But I probably underestimated how important that was to hear. You know, yes. the salary is great, but it's also very important to just hear you know, you hit it out of the park. What a great job. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you the number one thing we can do for our employees is thank them. Yep. Thank them for their service. Thank them for their work. You know, uh, and then the number two thing we can do is empower them. Give them the Good ability. Point. Business vitamin. Good point. 
give them the ability to do what you hired them to do. That's sometimes hard. It's very hard. And I'll tell you, it's hard for me. Um, and I, I know I struggle with it every day because I'm a little bit of a control freak in terms of quality for my company. And I struggle with this, but I know that I get more out of my employees. They're more engaged. They're more excited. They, they produce better work when I empower them and allow them. When they feel that you trust them. Yes, to do, absolutely. To do, or even trust them to fail and, and to get back up and to learn from that. Well, and you have to fail forward quickly. And yes. people that are more secure, that are recognized, right. if we all think we're not failing, we're not succeeding. Right. Right. But I send my son a quote at college every day just to sort of reach Aww, out. This is a way I say sweet. good morning or whatever. And one this week was paraphrased and it said... The people that 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 don't exert influence and power feels if they don't have any. Absolutely, they can't be empowered if they don't feel as if they right. don't have a voice, right. if they don't have a, a meaningful contribution, if they're not recognized. Mm-hmm. And we sit here and go, well, duh, but oh my, those soft skills. Yeah are to me at the base of being essential because I think from a a technical standpoint, everyone on my team is smarter than I am technically. Mm -hmm. I'm leading, Mm -hmm. right, with the soft skills, the coaching, the mentoring for what's next when I'm not doing that part anymore, Monica, right, which is what I owe the company. Sure. So do you have takeaways, Monica? I, and I don't know, if, uh, can, can I say some of the companies you work sure, with? Sure, no? absolutely. So she's working with Space Force. <gasps> I mean, A space company? Space Force, which is the new agency of the federal government. She it's, loves astronauts. Well, you know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are like my official that, astronaut choose no, to pay homage to Anne because of... Uh, that is just mm-hmm. wicked smart. That's I mean, crazy wicked uh, smart. And yeah, well, you, I'll, I'll let you say some of the, the larger companies, but... I stand incredibly impressed and amazed and lucky for them to have your team. But when you're at that level and you're speaking to smaller businesses here and you're a a smaller size uh, business as far as team members, what have you learned? So you're like in the inner sanctum and you're, Mm -hmm. you're doing organizational assessments, assessments with employees. Like, so managers, middle managers and down to the, to the uh, early entry workforce and you have access to the leaders leadership. Do you have any takeaways? Like, have you learned uh, one or two insights that you're like, wow, well, you're either just like the rest of us or, oh, here's how you got to where you are and we need to learn that. Oh, wow. There's lots of insights that, I, that I've gained in, <laughs> in my 20 years them all of, of the company. Yeah. But I, I think the biggest thing is that, and I think, Ann, you hit on it earlier, is people are people. And sometimes leaders, you know, forget that uh, and they, you know, charge forward and they, you know, have these goals and they're working at this higher level and they forget to communicate downwards. They forget to engage and involve their employees in decisions that are made um, that that affect them. Right. And so, you know, without that communication, without that follow through, without that coaching that they do for their employees, employees start to to get frustrated and they may start to lose trust in their leadership and the organization. And if you start to lose trust, that's the foundation of every relationship. And I think we all would agree to that, right? And, you know, if you, if you believe in Lencioni's work, the five behaviors of of an effective team, Lencioni says that is the foundation of every relationship and every organization. Couldn't agree more. You don't get to 
great results. You don't get to growth and development if as a company or as an organization, unless you acknowledge how important trust is and how important the employee is. And so I think sometimes we get so busy as leaders that we start to forget the, the building blocks of what got us there in the first place of a relationship, Um, relationship. and I start try to say people think about your best relationships. What makes it your best relationship? Might be with your mom, might be with your sib, might be with your bestie. Like, right. but, but but what are those tenants? And you have to be who you are across your entire life, right? I'm not somebody when I get to Universal that I'm a different person. Right. I'm bringing a hundred percent of who I am authentically with me. Absolutely, and that's essential to a real relationship, which is foundational right. with trust. So we, you know, we do uh, crisis PR as well as t- uh, traditional uh, public relations. In 2022, we had three uh, clients with merger and acquisitions um, communications. So the strategy and the execution and all the uh, writing that goes with that. With that. But it, very interesting, the, the biggest of the three, which was uh, being uh, sold an ownership stake to a Japanese, a, a multi-billion dollar Japanese firm, and the CEO has said, you know, in a prior M&A, we didn't have a strategy, we didn't do anything, and it didn't serve us well. And it was interesting, to your point, Monica, the very first group of stakeholders that has to be understand clearly what's going on are the employees. Mm-hmm. I said, it isn't, it isn't the media, and it isn't um, your clients, it's your team because if they end up going into church on Sunday or, or uh, Little League Monday night and a neighbor says, hey, I heard your company was just sold and they weren't told, if you want to talk about distrust and, and all of a sudden feeling uh, devalued, like you, you didn't tell the very people whose career and livelihood right. depends on that. But conversely, when they know that they are first, they are the first ones thought of, the first ones to receive this honest, clear communication, they're going to stay. You know, they're going to work even harder and, and make mm-hmm. sure this transition is smooth. But, um, yeah, just putting them first and remembering that you're not a company without them. Absolutely. And that really um, connects with change management. So that's, right, a, right. that's a service that we provide to right. organizations, whether it be a small department within a company or it be the enterprise-wide, is companies have to change. They have to change and evolve in order to survive, right? And so people don't like change and employees don't like change. And if they don't understand the why behind the change, they get very frustrated and they tend to leave. So what we say when we're doing change management, the number one thing that a leader needs to do is communicate, 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 and communicate the why behind what is happening. Mm -hmm. And engage the employees in part of the decision-making if you can. Get their input as to how to roll things out, how to integrate these companies, how to do um, some of the operational elements that they're going to so need uh, when they do this merger. Um, So so it's back to that. It's recognizing that people are people. Every individual needs to, as adults, we need to know why we're doing something. We're not children. We need to have that, that information from our employer. And if we're not trusted enough with that information, then we don't feel that we can trust them. And so when we don't trust them, we don't bring our whole selves to work. We hold back our productivity. Mm -hmm. We hold back our thoughts. That's like that quiet quitting. Yes. You know, when you just partially you project what check they, out. what they think 
what you think they want to see. Yes. And I'm obsessed with why, Monica. And every day, if, if there's anything I'm saying, I say, here's why. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that. And who has more of a linear impact than frontline employees when right. a company yes. is sold, yes. merged, or otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Their very livelihood. So it's, it's, it's something where one eye is on, well, what if they don't retain me and I got to find a job, which is a part-time job in itself, finding right. another job. And so it starts to erode, right? To, to your exact point, that base of trust. Mm-hmm. And we all know who we trust and who we don't trust. Yes, and absolutely. you can feel it. It's, it almost permeates every single aspect. Mm-hmm. And those frontline employees are doing the work. Right. Disrupt that. And what did someone really buy? What did they really merge with? Right. Mm-hmm. And change is. Change is like, ooh. Nobody likes change. Ooh. It's difficult. Right. Well, think of the level of anxiety the employees coming into the, sure, it's to, fear. to work Changes with. Changes everything. Yeah. Fear is is not a good productive uh, emotion if you're coming to work and you don't want your team to be fearful. So uh, empowering them and making making sure they understand that you have released them to to use their full capabilities to serve your company is is necessary. You have to do that. The other critical piece to that, Anne, is part of what you were saying, is that the employees often know the answers because they yes. do it every yes. day. They yes. sure do. And if we don't talk to them, right. if we don't gain their feedback, if we don't hear their input, and we don't give them an opportunity to communicate back with us in a fair and impartial way, then we're never going to really know what's going on. Right. And so that's part of the core of those assessments that we do. We're doing a, a organization-wide assessment for the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs right now uh, and looking at their workforce, particularly in those veterans' homes. And we're in a workforce crisis right now, you know, as a country. And, you know, these are very important employees that work in these nursing homes for these veterans. And, you know, it's a difficult job to hire for. Mm. It's, uh, you know, competitively, it's difficult even in the private sector. Now you're talking about putting it in a public sector. And they're trying to get the answer to, you know, how do we, how do we um, bring people in here? How do we retain our employees? How do we celebrate our employees? And pay and benefits is one aspect, but they right. are limited in terms of what they can do because of laws and regulations and union right. contracts. And so there are so many other ways that you can engage and, and involve your employees and really bring them to the table. And that's what we're discovering right now. We're out there doing focus groups, 60 focus groups with wow. hundreds of people across the state, across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to learn those secrets and give them back to the leadership of DMV. I applaud them because they are, they're willing to hear it. Yep. They're willing to learn. They're willing to listen. And that information is going to be you know, actualized in action plans and different things that they're going to do to really drive that engagement in the future. And I think that the, the key distinction I hear in that, Monica, and I, I try to preach this is that the VA is saying, why us? That fundamental, why should you work here? Mm -hmm. And so what do we do in employment ads? We just table stakes, right? Here's the hourly, here's the, here's the benefits. Here's a huge bonus. That, 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 that (laughs) has nothing to do with, with, with the spirit we're trying to capture. The emotional connection. The the emotional soft skills. And Mm -hmm. when women say, oh, I'm a nurturer. Oh, I don't like conflict. I think Yes, that those are things that might be more difficult for women, but you have to weaponize what's phenomenal about that. 
Right. right. I mean, we, we can minimize or amplify anything about ourselves with the right self-awareness and introspection. Mm -hmm. And so it's so much more than, you know, table stakes of mm -hmm. here's the employee. And I, whenever I'm talking about something, I'm, a, I'm at the department I love now, I put them with probably four to six employees away from me and say, you ask them. A, what it's like to be on my team, what mm -hmm. it's like to be at Universal, what are the challenges, what are the best, like that, when you put your mm -hmm. key in the door, if they put right. their key in the door, which you really don't anymore, but, but what, is, <laughs> what, is, what is the essence we're trying to capture? And that's why I'm fascinated by you because that's not easy. No. Simple, but not easy. And that to me is that emotional capital yeah. of the why. Right. It's the intangible. You're not going to mm -hmm. be able to write that. Yeah. You're going to need something sticky enough to get an audience with the people that go, here's why, mm -hmm. right? Which is what I'm trying to do. Right. So I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. And, and you ask. People say, how do you know that? Well, I ask. I just ask. Yeah. Right. There's so much I don't know. Well, and kudos to the leadership that they're willing to hear whatever, yes. whatever findings you bring back to them, which may or may not be what they expect. Right. Right. And this is why they're doing it with an yeah. independent company. Right. right? So mm -hmm. so that they can hear the voices. And we've done everything that we can to help support the anonymity of the employees, right. Right. to give them a voice, to give them the ability to share openly right. what right. what is what's challenging about working there and what's positive about working there. So let's not forget that they're doing something well right already yeah. and there are positives in a work culture as well so we right. want to bring those things out as well so that those are proliferated mm -hmm. whether it be a particular site or a particular leadership you know philosophy or culture that they've tried to right. create in a certain you know arena we want to make sure we're celebrating those things too so it's not all about picking apart all the things that are wrong it's right. also looking for what's right and making sure we don't we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater so you're to speak. empowering them yes you're doing exactly what it takes to build a trust and right. a foundation. And there's no, there's absolutely no way. When someone tells me they have the perfect marriage, I run screaming from them. Yes. You know, there is no perfect relationship yeah. anywhere. That, that, that's it. And, and so, look, I'm, I'm voting with my life and my bond and my word, but there's things I adore. There's things I ignore. <laughs> but but it's absolutely that could be your business vitamin yeah right like and, uh... no rock solid and i do think I, I just think monica without sort of saying here's where we could improve i mean nothing's perfect right you right. can't say this is a perfect place to work what it's work that's what growth is <laughs> yes. right if we yeah. it, so the other key piece though is as a part of that growth process you have to be self-reflective as a leader, you have to know where your growth opportunities are. Right. And it could be in your soft skill delivery. It could be in your emotional intelligence. It could be, you know, in your drive to get tasks done that you're forgetting about the people. Um, you know, and, <laughs> There's and a we, deadline, everybody. And we, and we see that all the time. You, the we, yep. you know, I recently facilitated a, a team retreat with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission actually this week. And, you know, there's so much task orientation to do things. Sometimes we forget about the team members and what we what they need from us right. in order to be able to perform what we're asking them to do. And, you know, recognizing that, having the humility as a leader to say, you know what, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. And being able to communicate that to your team member to say, you know what, 
I mess up all the time. I'm not a perfect person. And, you know, I recognize that maybe I'm not doing everything that you need. What do you need from me? What can I do better? And having that honest conversation with your employees to really pull that out of them as to how you can improve, how you can actually, you know, work with them and, and, you know, grow them as an employee in a better way. You're not going to hear that if you're not asking. Amen. And that's where I think the confidence and the the self-awareness and the ability to be realistic Mm -hmm. in terms of how we're identifying. And and look, we all need to be put back on the rails. Yes. Right? We all go out of our lane and we lose our way a little bit. And you need those people that are going to absolutely like that, get you back on the rails and Mm -hmm. focus in that perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, Monica, we'll... uh, See, we're flying through she, this. See, she, gonna... looked, she, she looked at the time herself. <laughs> That's the first you go, time girl. I did. Yes. Uh, we talked a little earlier because you spend so much time uh, in a deep dive with organizations and you see firsthand the changing workforce mm-hmm. and the implication that means yes. for, for the CEO and for the team and how difficult it is to hire and retain. But um, how many generations do we have? And what, what was your uh, comment to me about the newest generation coming in yeah, to the workplace? So, so we have five generations in the workplace wow. right now. Wow, wow. And we know that the millennial generation is, is really almost at a point of overtaking the baby boomers in the workplace. So what that means is that the younger generations, if you think about the baby, think about the millennials, as well as the Z generation, which is the newer generation, is just coming out of college, okay. it's just coming out of so high school. 20-something Yeah, 20-somethings, right. Okay. They're, eight, they're 16 to 20-somethings okay. right now. So some of them are even too young to be in the workplace. Right. Um, but as these generations come in, they need different things. They require a lot more feedback. They require a lot more affirmations, (laughs) confirmations. If they don't hear from you, they assume they're doing something wrong, which is a very different mindset than the boomer generation. If I hear from you, I'm scared, right? Right. Um, We we are (laughs) now. That's really interesting. You know, so. uh, That's true. It's completely different. And so not only do they require a lot of feedback, but they also require a lot of flexibility. They want a workplace in which they can work from home, in which they can use technology to, right. to drive you know, their performance. And so what we're seeing is people if, in that generation are frustrated with these dogmas, especially after COVID, of organizations saying everybody has to come back into the workplace or everybody has to be here at least three days a week. For what? Um, there, some organizations require in-person because you right. need to you know, have somebody to the serve banks, you yeah. at, the, yeah. at a restaurant or yeah. whatever it is. But you know, to the extent that we can provide the flexibility to the workforce is really going to solve a lot of issues. Right. And recognizing that when we don't allow that flexibility and we say, we don't trust you to work from home. You trusted me for two years during the pandemic. Now the pandemic's over, you don't trust me yeah. now? Yeah. It then creates this rift between yeah. leaders and, and the workforce. And we're seeing it just about in every organization we're working with, whether it's private or public or nonprofit. You know, to the extent that you can provide flexibility, you can provide different kinds of schedules, you right. you are you should be managing to the work and not the work hours. What are you accomplishing? Ooh, Manage to the work, not the work hours. 
Yeah. So what are we get? What are you accomplishing? What are your goals? What do right. we want you to get done? Does it matter if I do it in thirty nine hours or I do right. it in sixty hours? I don't care as long as it gets yeah, done. Doesn't matter if you do it at and ten o'clock do or midnight well. after the kids yeah, are in right. bed and baths and did food you, and right, right. right. You measure the quality of the right. work. You you measure the quantity of the work. You measure the outputs and not, you know, the, the ingredients therein. Because that's micromanagement. And, you know, when we think about the, the boomer generation, we, we grew up with micromanagement. Right. And we tend to micromanage still. And so... What um, is that? That's that command and control mentality. Yes, it's the autocratic and leadership. Totally changed now. And now we're really looking more at servant leadership. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Servant leadership yeah. where we care about our people. We're thinking about what our people need first. Right. Rather than right. just the goals and objectives of the organization. Leaders have to keep both in mind. I mean, we're, you know, we can't operate if we're not profitable. Right. Uh, we can't operate right. if we're not achieving the goals of the company. So by no means am I saying and letting leaders off the hook or letting the organization off the right. hook for strategic growth. But we have to do it smart and we have to use our people to do so. Can't can't get better than that for the ending, Anne. I know, I know. <laughs> it's extraordinary. <laughs> Monica Gold, we're so honored that you would spend this 30 minutes, maybe an inch. Uh, a Absolutely or two more. illuminating. Oh, yes. Incredible. So Just thank the you. perspective, right? The right sizing as a leader brain, and there's always things we can learn. And I learned Absolutely. so much in 30 minutes. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. Maybe yes. we'll do it again. Yes. Uh, we said, no, every guest, it's a requirement too. <laughs> so thank you for coming, Annie Carnathan. Great day. And have a high geared day to all of our listeners and viewers that are watching this on video. Thanks for listening. It's our desire that these stories will bring energy, ideas, and fresh thinking that you can use today. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. And have a high geared day.